0: Yeah, welcome back to the Rock uh, Rock Bottom of the Recovery Podcast. I'm Shane Johnson. <laughs> I'm Bill Farrell. You'll be all right, man. <laughs> we, have a spe- cool. we have a special guest, Matt Gannum. What, what? If you, uh, if you guys have any questions or you ever need to call in, you call in one 415 9139 That's one 415 9139 But is that going to work today, Shane? Uh, no, it will. Not. <laughs> it Tell will not. Him. If you try to call in today, you're gonna call in on my phone, and my phone's actually recording on Instagram Live. So, so could somebody leave a message? Somewhat, yeah, you could leave a message, All right, or there you actually, go. A, yes. So actually, <laughs> I have a bone to pick right now. So I was, I, I, noticed that you uploaded a picture and you tagged Matt in it, and I, I went to go click on Matt's Facebook and noticed that we're not Facebook official. What? Yes. So I'm just, it's a bone to pick. I, I'm kind of a. Hold on. Where I we feel at left this? out right now. <laughs> <laughs> where are we at
1: with this? I'll fix that right now. So, uh,
0: yeah, we have Matt Gannum, um, a.k.a. Mac Gannum the Poet, the, the director of Banyan. I can say di- director of Banyan, correct? Executive director Executive. of Banyan oh. Treatment
1: Center, Massachusetts. Why don't you tell us a little about uh, what Banyan is? Uh, Banyan is a, a program. Our office is based out of Wilmington. Uh, it's a PHP, IOP, and OP. Um, I started working with Banyan Treatment Center two years ago. Uh, I took the job. Um, it was a program in Pompano Beach, and when I took the job, they offered me uh, a partnership and a program I could build from the ground up. And um, we opened the, our doors eight months ago. And um, the process of, of creating something is, is absolutely beautiful. And when you sit and reflect, a lot of times over the years of, of some of the things that I've been doing, I just go full head into a brick wall, run through the brick wall, next brick wall, run through it without actually like trying to take a look at the bigger picture of what's going on. Um, I was a homeless IV heroin addict 11 years ago. Wow. I was a, a, an absolute statistic waiting to happen. I was an overdose waiting to happen. I was a 5-10 to 10 year jail stint waiting to happen. And now I got some fancy title, executive director. I have thirty employees. We've expanded tremendously in three months. In another week, we're going to be on our third expansion of our office. We have forty-six clients in there right now, and it's just like it's it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. So, so let me ask you.
0: What, mm-hmm. So, the the podcast is called Rock Bottom to yep. Recovery. What is your definition of your of recovery? Uh, well, I should say rock bottom. If if someone rock doesn't bottom. understand it,
1: rock bottom for me was yeah. no family, no friends. The only person that I could call was was my dope dealer. That I was I was in South Boston. I was sleeping head to toe in a futon with a buddy of mine and his mother. We shot dope with his mother. Every time I pulled a score and got dope, I came home and had to give her some as my way to pay rent. Um, I was on trial for being a monkey of soul bananas. I was facing significant jail time. My father was sick and tired of the lies, the manipulation. I didn't talk to my mother. Um, friends would literally cross the street because they didn't want to deal with me. The clothes that I wore were the same clothes I wore every single day. I didn't brush my teeth. I didn't shower. I didn't take care of myself. I didn't eat. The only meal I might have eaten was a Snickers bar I stole from 7-Eleven on my way home. Um... When you literally can't pick the phone up and call somebody to be like, hey, I need help because they're sick and tired of you lying, that they're sick and tired of the broken promises, I'm going to get clean this time, or hey, everything's great, but like my cable got cut off of an apartment that I don't have and a TV that I don't watch, but like I need $35 to pay my bill just to get cash. Mm. Um, Bouncing and burning bridges from... You know, how many times people let me crash on their couch and they would find needles hidden. We have a saying, like, uh,
0: live your life of 40 at a time. Yeah. And if, if no one understands what that is, the 40-bag of dope.
1: Mm-hmm. Literally, you're just living to get to the next high. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And, you know, I, I was on a suicide mission. I didn't want to live. Um, you know, I wanted to uh, pass peacefully in my sleep, and that was that was, like, the ultimate goal because – um, I had suicide attempts, and they, they, they didn't pan out, or I had a gun in my mouth, and I couldn't pull the trigger, or I had the belt around my throat, and I was too scared to drop. Um, but at the end of my run, I just wanted to do all the heroin I could, and I I I wasn't the person that could save even a little bit for the morning. I wanted to do it all and just hope and pray that I didn't wake up. That's I get it.
2: Um, so let me ask you something. Like you just said, you wanted to die. Yeah. Do you feel a lot of people that are um <clears throat> struggling with this addiction
1: feel the same way? Yeah. yeah. getting clean is so scary. Dealing with feelings is so scary. Right. Trying to repair the damage. We spend years and years and years destroying our family and our loved ones. And it's scary even trying to like repair the damage that we do. Um It's scary facing our own insecurities and fears without a drug. When we use drugs, we become, we self-medicate, and that's our solution to every single problem. So, like, when I'm having a bad day, I go get high. When I'm having a good day, I go get high. When I'm dealing with a loss, I go get high. Like, that's, that's the basis of, you know... We talk about in recovery, you keep it in the day. Active addiction is the same way. You keep it in the day. I got to go do this to get money. I got to call this guy. I got to take this train to this stop to go cop. I got to cop a bag. I got to go get high in this bathroom. And I, then I, I got to wake uh, up the next day and do it exactly the same. That reminds me. I, I used to um, I'd
0: be dope sick, and then I'd, I'd go hit the T station, and uh, I would look for someone that was nodding out. Mm-hmm. and walk up and like hey show me where your deal is at. Yeah. You know and, and then I'd be taking train rides from from Quincy Massachusetts to Chelsea Massachusetts yeah. with a complete stranger praying that he doesn't take off with my money yeah. and that he actually has the yeah. right type of heroin.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So, so let me going me ask, to Chelsea wasn't a good idea though. No.
0: So no. let me let me <laughs> ask you something Matt.
2: Um so now, all right. So you were afraid. You were afraid yeah. to um, to get clean, right? Mm-hmm. Because of all the fears that come with that. Yep. So now that you are clean, yeah, were those fears legit? Like, and, uh, did, does that make sense? In other words, so yeah, you I mean, you had a, I you... was
1: scared. It, it is not. E- Unfortunately, it's not easy to get clean.
2: No, no. But what I'm saying though is like, so in other words, like, so you you um, you had this uh, perceived fear yep. about getting clean and sober hmm. So now that you're clean and sober,
1: I wouldn't trade it for anything.
2: Right. So what would you say to the people that are afraid right now that they're afraid to get clean and sober? Because, like you said, you have to deal with life on life's terms. Yeah. But
1: the more you get through your fears, the better off you're going to be. The more you tackle the obstacles that you get faced with, the stronger you get in your path. And a lot of times in early recovery, we get hit with adversity and we fold. I so mean,
0: b- I mean, you've shared on it, uh, yeah. even even becoming executive director of being I was scared because yeah, you there's started healthy, from the ground. There's healthy,
1: there's healthy fears in life. And and uh, one of the things for like the clients that we have in, in treatment is I try to teach them some life lesson skills on top of just like I don't want to drill them with recovery because like the reality is, is life like recovery is going to be a significant part of it. But there's still life lessons that you need to you need to face. Right. You live in community living. You need to figure out how to get along with other people without fist fighting right Mm. or without those institutionalized behaviors because if you work in the workplace and you don't like somebody you're not going to go fist fight them you need to work on how to get along with people if you want to succeed if you get if you fold the first time like problems arise or that you get hit you're not going to succeed you got to figure out how to adapt to those situations before being your mask started i had so much fear yeah i had a lot of fear here I am, right? I have no education, a high school diploma. I went through four high schools, and that's probably a, a, a crock of uh, ish. But um, I don't have business. My business background shouldn't have put me in this position. Having the weight and expectations on me of, like, I, I have to staff. I have to find every, every, every aspect of the program. I had to find from clinical director, which I didn't know any clinical directors. I can I can go get you a laundry list of addicts in recovery that can like that can do some things, but I don't know people with fancy letters. Yeah. So I had to get somebody on board with that. And then also I'm their boss. I'm thirty one and tattooed with no education and they have education. They got years and years of, of college education. Field experience. And then they're going to listen to some like baby face, 31 year old that <laughs> doesn't know anything like that was a fear in itself of like me and my clinical director, are, like a married couple. We're great. I love him. Yeah. And uh, we fight at times and, and we get along really well. And um, we've had to we've had to adapt our relationship at times because, you know, I I don't know if I could be 54 working for a 31 year old kid. Right. That that had to be difficult. And then the expectation of like success and failure is on my shoulders. Right. And that can crumble people. Like that is that is a lot of people, right, um, that I've seen in life are content with certain things, which is fine. You know, they're content with the job, they they wake up nine to five, they get to go home. Um, unfortunately for me, um, the job's not a nine to five. It's a it's a twenty four seven, it's from you know, I'm at the office Monday through Friday, but every night I'm dealing with, whether it's issues, you know, where they're living, people coming in, people trying to leave, weekends, it's, it's you know, it's a 24-7 type of thing.
2: Let me ask you something. I, I know you just mentioned, like, you know, you didn't have the uh, the letters and the education and all those things, but. But you have um, life experience. Yeah. You've lived it. Mm-hmm. And that in itself is an education. That's a very powerful education yeah. um, that, you know, I'm sure, like you said, being, um, who is it that your boss?
1: Joe Papa. Yeah. I mean, Joe so, Papa, you got 20 years of recovery. Big shout out to him.
2: So, uh, you know, between the two of you, I mean, I'm, sh- I'm sure that's a very powerful force. Yeah. But So let's talk about... Um, Failures because you were afraid to fail and I'm sure life life is about failure. So what See, have you done I've, in those moments of failures?
1: I've, I've had a lot of failures. Yeah. Like I know um people perceive me uh as just like the success story that success was just this like upward trend for, for quite some time. And I'm I'm gonna talk about just in recovery, the failures that I've had to I've had to experience and the the broken promises. Um seven years ago I signed a, a book deal. I got a book out now called The Shadow of an Addict. But seven years ago, right, poetry is one of the biggest therapeutic tools that I use. It's something I was I was on my way down here in traffic writing a poem. Like mm-hmm. it's just something that it helps me get some of the things off my chest. Uh it empowered me. It gave me a voice. It really gave me a platform. Um but you go back years and years ago and uh I had a book deal. That that I signed with this company, and they're gonna mass produce my book, and I'm sitting there like, yeah, I'm gonna be a New York Times bestseller. Mm. I'm gonna be rich. <clears throat> I'm gonna make it, right? And part of that contract, which I'm fortunate that that this part was in the contracts, that I had to publicly speak. So now I'm on the radio. I've been on. I've been on some show, like the news. I'm very comfortable with it now. Yeah. Seven years ago, I was petrified to speak in any sort of public forum, but they. In that contract, it said I had to do two public speaking things, right? So me being insane, because clearly insane, yeah. I wanted to be good before I got to that speaking gig. Yeah. So I started doing these little open mics. And the first time I ever read on a microphone, I had a piece of paper in front of my face. I read through the paper into the microphone to a crowd of four people, and I was shaking. <laughs> I was petrified, right? So I started getting a little bit better at these open mics, preparing myself. And at these open mics, I'm like, yeah, you know, my name is is Matt. You know, I'm a recovering heroin addict. I got this book up coming out called "Carried by Wings of Protection," and I'm telling all these crowds. And then I'm going back to to the company, and they're like, oh, well, we need to find the right editor. Oh, now we need this. Oh, nope, maternity leave for that person, so it's gonna get pushed back. So all of a sudden, this like this hope that I had of this book, like this book was gonna I was gonna make it, because mm. at the time I was piss poor. Uh, <laughs> living in an apartment where my son slept in my bed with a roommate, his girl, and their daughter in a tiny two-family, uh, two-bedroom apartment in Rosendale that I barely got by, right? I was barely getting by at this time. And uh, so now I'm at these open mics and telling everybody I got this book coming out. The book is putting me on the, – the company put me on the shelf. When I was getting high, right, I smoked crack with this girl that told me that she did a duet with Celine Dion. Wow. Mm. We were in the Mystic Project smoking crackly. You did not do a, a duet with Celine Dion, you know, cut it out with that. <laughs> and then I got high with this kid who, who swore to God he was signed to Eminem's record label. Well, it's also like you were saying, uh, people see your, your success because you're a huge yeah. public
0: figure. But what they don't see is it's the, the behind the scenes. Yeah. So my question with that is, what is your why? When you get to that failing point, what is it that goes through your head first where you're like, I'm not going to fail here?
1: Uh, carrying everybody that passed away. Uh, everybody that told me I wasn't going to be anything. From a very young age, I was told that I wasn't going to be anything. Like, long before I stuck a needle in my arm, even before I did oxys, like, I'm talking, I got kicked out of two schools freshman year. I went through different middle schools. Like, I was always told I wasn't going to be anything. And that I, I was going to end up just a failure in life. And, um when you push and you believe that that you want to achieve certain things and and you set your mind to that no matter what happens that you are going to you're going to get to this point rain hail sleet snow success failure not giving up even though there's been moments in this in this journey through recovery and through some of the different things that I've tried that I've wanted to give up every ounce of me was like I need to give up because like I'm losing I'm losing who I am as a person, or, like, you hit low points, but, like, little miracle moments would happen. There would be somebody that would hit me up, like, um, before I I really got into, like, you know, before I started working with Wicked Soul, but I still placed people before that. Like, when friends would hit me up, I would get them a detox bed, because I knew people in different places, but the poetry, I used to, I blast my poetry. I write it, and I put it out there, because... People relate to it in a different way. Um, you know, it's just it's something that that has helped some people. And I would there would be moments I would want to quit and I get a message like, man, I want to get high today. I read your poem and I didn't or, you know, anything along those lines at these certain moments that I would quit or going back to the story about the book um, and that failure. Uh, A little bit of my insecurity, I was getting into the story about Celine Dion, and then this kid who said he got signed to Eminem's record deal that I was shooting dope with in an abandoned house in Cambridge, like, yeah, you're not signed. I felt like I was that person at these open mics that was spewing a bunch of BS to the crowd because here's this book, it's not coming out. I did my very first radio interview on a radio station in Florida about Oxy Cotton, and that guy was asked to be on CNN, and they asked him if he wanted uh, intro music. And the guy was like, no, I want a, I want a poem from this kid from Boston. CNN fax me paperwork. Right. I got their little letterhead at the top. I fill out their paperwork that I basically signed the soul of this specific poem that I did over to CNN that they can use it. And I can never use it again. Right. I'm in a recording studio. I record it professionally. Cost put, took money out of my own pocket. <laughs> so now I'm going to these open mics and I'm telling people I got this book coming out and I got this thing coming on CNN that, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna make it now. Definitely, I'm making it. And neither one of them ever happened, ever, right? <laughs> oh, man. Ever. And at that, so I started hitting these open mics up, and now I'm getting really I'm getting pretty good at performing. The venues are getting bigger. The book's still not coming, but like my name's starting to grow. I got some videos on YouTube that kind of like visualize visually adapt poems that I've written. So my name's catching a little bit of buzz, but like. I'm putting in so much time, and I'm not getting anything back either. Like, And you, you hit these moments that, like, um, I was up for performer of the year in 2012, and I lost, right? Uh, at the uh, raw, some raw, like, artsy thing.
0: Well, you, you, talk, you talk about, and I don't mean to cut you off, but mm-hmm. you talk about failure. And, and I got into the treatment field two years ago, and everyone's mm-hmm. like, oh, you got to talk to... Uh, Mac Adams, Anum. Mac a, and yeah. I remember someone introducing us like, um, oh shit, you know, Matt Shane works here, and, yeah. and and they were like, Shane, Matt works here, and obviously like we worked at two different yeah. places, um. And I'm thinking in my head, like, you know, just because we work at two different places doesn't Mm -hmm. mean, in in my mind, I'm like, we're we're different. But you were the first person to really, like, take that time out to, uh, you know, walk me through certain things to help me understand that my recovery is not the treatment field. It's totally different. You know, the treatment field, you know, if if I'm placing someone into a detox doesn't Mm -hmm. mean I need to skip out on my own personal growth. But even to this day, I could call you up, and it's the same conversation that we've been having for Mm -hmm. two years. You know, we talk about different stuff, but you've been the same person. You know, it's like you're not afraid to give those keys over to someone else. You have always said it. I want to see other people succeed. Absolutely. And, you know, at first, I'm like, is is he full of it? Is he full of it? But I can tell you, two years into this, you have been the same person Mm -hmm. that I met two years ago. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I want to thank you for that because, it, it, you know, I appreciate it. You had you brought me on your radio show, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you still take time out of your day, yeah. even though you have such a busy day to come down here. And, and Holbrook, thanks you. Hcam, thanks you. I just want to say if anyone wants to call in, it's 1-888-415-9139. Uh, rock bottom to recovery podcast. And um, that,
2: and let me add to that. That's better than any award you'll ever get, Matt, yeah. right there. <laughs> oh, well, that's. Mm. What change is said, because that's what it's all about, isn't it?
1: But but that's that's why I've been successful. And even, like, like if not just recovery either, like poetry. Like, I opened doors for poets long before, like, even the treatment stuff. And, like, cer- certain things I had to learn on my own through trial and failure. But, like, you don't got to make that mistake. And if there's plenty of people that needed help. And if I ever took it as competition, then that's corporate business BS, and that means that like I'm putting a price tag on somebody, and not like, hey, this person needs help, or I I gotta equip you as as being a better person to help that person. So when you get into the the field as you did, a lot of times that becomes everything for you. It was recovery. like swimming with the sharks.
0: Yeah, I, I, it was immediately. I went from construction to, all right, yeah. now you have to produce. Yeah. If you don't produce, you lose your salary. It's a really,
1: and- it's a really uh, ugly, ugly game. And I, the first company I worked for was like that. Unfortunately, Banyan has never been like that for me. But it's a lot of pressure when, like, your livelihood can be dependent on somebody going so to treatment. So can you...
0: Can you- Can you, in a way, uh, you said PHB, IOP, Mm -hmm. uh, OP. So what PHB is partial hospitalization, Uh, IOP is intensive outpatient, and OP is outpatient. Mm -hmm. Can you tell some of the benefits of um, being in uh, a treatment center? So if I'm I'm coming in and I need treatment, uh, I'm coming out of detox and I need to come to your uh, treatment center, can you tell me some of the benefits and what that structure looks like on a day-to-day basis? So our
1: program... Uh, you do groups from nine to 12 in the morning you have your lunch break where you go home you, you, you eat your food come back for afternoon groups um, uh, I'm very open-minded in recovery and it's uh, it's something that's an extension in our program that we do a lot of we do a lot of 12 step because that's something that that works for a lot of people We do a smart recovery group every day because um, we have people from all across the country that come in um, we have uh, one of our texts runs a group on, on Buddhism, on uh, rebel recovery, meditation, uh, group therapy, individual therapy. I do a creative writing group once a week where I'll share a couple poems, then give a topic. The whole room will write, and then we go around sharing it. And that's a, a little battle to get over your fears because the biggest fear in America is public speaking. And even in something like a small setting like that that's safe, like even watching somebody get it out, you know, it, it just gets them stronger from the first time they do it. And then three weeks later, as they're getting towards the end of, of the PHP part, how much they've grown and, and they're more confident and the piece is better. And it's like, it's stuff written right from the hop. Now, how long is PHP? can be anywhere from 30 to 45 days, and but I've kept
0: people longer. Okay, and then they step down to IOP? IOP, yeah. Okay, and w- and where are, these, uh, where are these houses located?
1: Two houses are in Wakefield, one's in Somerville for PHP, and then we try to... Um, you know, we refer out for for IOP, um, for IOP housing. Mm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Uh so another thing
0: too is, as a father, some and someone in recovery, uh, what suggestions would you give to fathers struggling to balance life, recovery, and parenting? You, know, you and I talk about this all the time. Yeah. Where um, it, it's a balance between finances and seeing your kid
1: and. It's a struggle. On. Parenting is not the easiest, and and. Um, a lot of times when we're in active addiction, and even in recovery, that we're not. For men, I'm gonna speak on, is, is that we're not the best in situations with women, or, um, you know, I have I have two kids. I got full custody of my son, so he lives with me, and then I have um, I have my daughter every other weekend. Um, but unfortunately, with that relationship, it can become very bitter, and you try to balance. You know, providing for my son, paying child support, seeing my daughter, and not breaking into all out fights with uh mm. the two lovely women um big shout out to the great mothers that I have of my children. They are good mothers, uh we fight though, so <laughs> <laughs>
2: who doesn't right yeah, 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 yes, it's
1: hard. I mean, you know one of the things is it I know your kid'll never keep you clean like that's never. that that isn't it, but it's definitely a driving force, yeah, absolutely. So it's 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 not the the ultimate reason why I stay clean, but the fact that my son has never seen me high and my daughter's never seen me high uh my son's getting old enough that like we talk about things he's at events he He's heard me share my story and, and the poetry. I, she's been to radio interviews with me. So, like.
0: Yeah, the best I I'm, can tell my daughter is, you know, I, I tell her that I was sick. Yeah. You know, and, and mm-hmm. I, th- we had a conversation the other day where at the table It was me, my girlfriend and my daughter. And my daughter looks at me and she's like, Daddy. And I'm like, what? She's like, I'm sober. And I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> yes, <laughs> you <laughs> are. Yeah. But it's she gets she gets the lingo now. Yeah. You know, I take yeah. her I take her to meetings, I take her to events, um, yeah. and it's something for her to be proud of. Absolutely. She looks up to it, you know, and uh, hopefully she never picks up a drink. But if she does, at least I you know, I've already walked down that yeah. path.
2: But you know what? Here's the thing. I think you guys are, you're educating your children, and as yeah. parents, that's what we're supposed to do. And I think that's that's huge. So it's not like they might. They won't try it because that's what teenagers do, or that's what kids do. But the fact that you're there and mm-hmm. you're you're planting these these positive seeds and, yeah. and understanding the chances of them is probably um, less than say somebody that that isn't. So uh, what I would throw out to you two and um, is to those people that are struggling right now, that are parents that are feeling the guilt of not being there with their kid, because I know that weighs heavy yeah. on their mind so like any words of to the to those people that are out there who are struggling in the moment um you know of some maybe like hope or something like that you know what i'm like just
1: with people who are active or yeah people people that are active active, you you need to take the time to get clean because you 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 know it's 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 not something being involved in your kid's life when you're getting high you're not really there like you're not even present. when you even
0: when you first get clean it's so like difficult like you need to
1: focus on on getting better cuz if you focus on getting better as a person every other aspect of your life is going to get better that that comes from you know being a better parent being a better employee or boss being a better son to your parents being a better brother or sister to to your family members the the work needs to be focused on you especially in early recovery and for parents it's difficult cuz in early recovery Maybe a grandparent was taking care of the kids when you're out there getting high, and then you get clean. You're still in you're still on very fragile ground. And kids can be stressful. Like Extreme. My son's the greatest kid on earth and he can still get me <laughs> yeah, <laughs> He can oh, still yeah. get me irritated. <laughs> he yeah. can be very frustrating. My daughter's a little diva, so <laughs> I, you know, the dynamic of my son compared to my daughter. My daughter's the boss.
0: Well, like the other day I was uh I was gonna Surprised my daughter By taking her to the movies I'm like hey I got a surprise She goes what is it An iPhone And I'm like <laughs> Wow And I'm like what, You're nine In my mind I'm yeah. like arguing with her already I'm like you're nine You don't need yeah, it Yeah you don't need but that at all she has that diva mentality <laughs> yeah. like, and, and she doesn't have The life that I had. I grew yeah. up very poor I grew yeah, up yeah. in welfare I still remember You know the one dollar Food stamp Um, mm-hmm. You know paper And uh, she doesn't have that life yeah. Anything she wants She can get from both Her But
1: that's the goal that's, that's the goal. goal. I mean, I for me, I want I don't want my son. I want to give everything that that he wants. Um, you know, I don't want him experiencing some of the the downfalls of of my childhood or what I went through as a kid. I don't want him to be ungrateful, and that's something that I try to I try to instill in him to be grateful of everything that he has because he has a lot. You know, and to to try to put focus more on on the people and the moments around you than like the material things, the stupid thing like this. Mm. that he sits there all day. I have a
2: question. Mm-hmm. And I just want to point out, yeah, I so got my glasses. <laughs> <So> last, <laughs> last week I had some nice, colorful uh, oh, glasses yeah? that came from he my He had
0: his wife's glasses nice. with uh, flowery um,
1: oh, that's awesome. decor on the side. I'm a little upset you didn't wear them for, for my interview.
0: So uh, I had to
1: take it to a macho level, <laughs> you
2: know what I'm saying? <laughs> you had to take it, though. So... Um, so this morning I was on Facebook and I, I happened to come across <clears throat> uh, Framingham Police released a video. Did you see that? No. Mm-hmm. On um, it's on. Uh, we'll we'll actually we'll try to post it on the Rock Bottom yep. to Recovery page. Um, but it was uh, just a, a little video on um, on uh, how to recognize heroin use, and it was it's a pretty uh, graphic yeah. video. Um, So, like everything else, I just kind of went down into the comments and I I was scrolling through. Because I'm always curious to see what people think. Don't ever read
1: the comments of things like that. Well, read the comments.
2: I would say read the comments, uh, (laughs) but don't take them personally. Um, And I just thought, like, for me, the way I look at it is so when somebody doesn't agree with me, um, um, maybe I'm not seeing their point of view, but Mm -hmm. I also try to think, are they educated enough? So, this was just one of the comments that... um, That I um, grabbed, and it says, um, stop blaming every drug out there. It's heroin is killing. Um, um, Stop heroin coming into the country. Stop making it. Heroin, heroin, heroin. No doctors, not pills. Heroin is killing people. (laughs) Stop heroin, period. So, obviously, we do know this because, um, as I pointed out last week, we lost in Massachusetts uh, in 2015, it was uh, 90, over 1,900 people in Massachusetts. Uh, we lost 52,000 mm-hmm. uh, in the country. And then the other night, um, someone pointed out in um, 2016, it's uh, closer now to 2,000 in the state. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously it's growing. But here's my, this is the reason I brought this question up, Matt, is because I, I went and I heard you speak one time. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm a big uh, believer in this. And you actually had said, Correct me if I'm wrong. Mm. That um, addiction started for you um, with cigarettes, yes, and then you progressed. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Because a, a lot of people automatically seem to think, oh, we jump right into heroin. But no. as I've learned, um, going to conferences and listening to these medical, um, uh, a life of addiction actually does begin like um, with addiction. There's even, many factors, and to it's even
1: that. before cigarettes. I mean, I had very addictive behaviors even yeah. before that. Um, negative attention, lashing out, causing fights. Um, but cigarettes is the first thing that I ever did. I smoked a cigarette, and I'm sure that a lot of people, a lot of people start their story and they they leave out the fact that like something you can get over the counter was was what started it. And even after that, it was alcohol. Alcohol is the most accessible thing in in the US you 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 go to your refrigerator your parents refrigerator and there's a six pack in there yeah. you can grab a couple beers it's easy access i did not have a weed dealer at 12 and years it, old and it's socially
0: acceptable harold ev- is not socially every,
1: acceptable every every time you see a bus pass by there's a half naked girl with a with a can of coronas you every w- super you watch bowl a football game yeah tell the guy that's drinking his life away at the be- at the end of a of a dive bar but like the way it's broadcasted for for drinking is this like luxurious potty great women all this other stuff um but it started with 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 substances at a younger age that like i never when when i smoked a cigarette i didn't picture i was going to be a heroin addict when i drank a beer heroin addict wasn't the goal weed ecstasy even oxycontin when i first tried it i didn't think i was going to be a heroin addict that wasn't the plan that wasn't the goal for that though for that comment trying to say that it's heroin coming in from a Other countries to go on like a a little advocate rant and rave. Um, Do you know how the epidemic has been stretched out for like a long time? It's not just this 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 war, but 16 years. Right. Even before that is when it really hit. But last 16 years, what would you say? It has spiked tremendously. Absolutely. Uh, We go and fight in Afghanistan and we got U.S. military patrolling poppy fields across the country and, and other countries. Um, as we see a spike in opiate use, we look at uh, what's the, the number one lobbyist in D.C.? Do you know what it is? No. Yeah, what is it? Do you know what it is? No. Pharmaceutical companies.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right?
1: So when you have the number one lobbyist in D.C., you know what that means is they're piling in the money. They're piling in money to buy our political people to sway their opinion towards that. So when you own the political opinion and the decision makers in DC what do you think happens you go from oxycodone 80s being prescribed for people on their way to death because that's originally what it was for it was for people hospice patients yeah. cancer 12 hour release for um for people easing their way into death well if there's a there's
0: a book called Dark Alliance it, mm-hmm. it's in uh, it's a book from the 70s it talks about uh Oliver North who was a I think he was a he was a he was a marine. He, he was a four-star general. He was a marine. So, but Sorry. here's the thing with Oliver North: Oliver North was shipping cocaine from Colombia yeah. through the Sandinistas. <laughs> Into the yeah. U.S. into California. Yeah. Well, you just so, made mean, me regret no, my No, so, yeah. so so what I'm saying is, Matt's correct. Like we, ha- they yeah, have stake course. in There's, Afghanistan. They have stake in these countries with opium yeah. fields. It's not heroin first. But it's if you it's if opium. you go
1: back to the pharmaceutical companies, they started mismarketing that pill and they started pushing it for everything. They and used they, to they, say they, they said it was non-addictive. That's right? true. So when you give that, you Remember know, that. and I'm I right, take away me because I ended up becoming. You know, I kind of, whatever my behaviors were as a young kid, people could have, you know, you could have forecasted me being a troublemaker or kind of going down that path. I spoke at uh, Somerville High School with uh, one of my Little League coaches after. He comes, he sits down next to me, and he's like, uh, Matt, man, man, that was was really powerful. Like, uh, I'm compelled to tell you his wife broke her wrist, right? Broke her wrist. Middle class, good salary, kids, happy home, everything, right? Breaks her wrist. Uh, gets prescribed Park 30s, right? Park 30s, Park 30s for a few months. All of a sudden, bam, snap. They take her off the uh, the script without easing her off of it. Now she's physically addicted to that. So now his wife, who he's married to, is out on the streets copping off a drug dealers, right? That he's set up to take down because he's a police officer, right? Then she can't afford the 30s because going from a prescription to paying dollar a milligram on the street are two different things. All of a sudden, you get introduced to heroin. Now she's a homeless IV heroin addict, and he's divorced. And it comes from a middle-class family. Now, are you going to try to tell me that if, if she got prescribed Motrin 800s for the pain, that she's going to go down that path? Yeah. Right? Or, but when somebody says it's not the doctors, now let's look at our kids, right? Let's look at our young kids. Um, where we're training them to physically depend on something every day. How many kids that are just a little excited get on ADHD medication or ADD medication? Right. Right? So now you're training a kid to take something every single day, every Mm -hmm. single day. Now, more and more that I see people that come through my facility, you see the medication, you talk to them, and you see that at 12 years old, they were put on something. So now you're training them to take something. So now every single issue they have, you know what happens? They need to take something for that. Right. But well, it's not the yeah. It's I will, not the, I, not saying that people don't need it. There are people that no, need but it. You, but, but when you when you push um, doctors to prescribe these pills, or even let's let's we, solve uh, you know, in, in anybody that's on Suboxone, that you're doing the right thing. I'm proud of you, and I support you. My gripe with that is when you push doctors to prescribe that. They got 200 clients so I was just on their sa- caseload. Yeah, I
0: was just saying this the other day. Is you go down Mass Ave. Mass Ave is uh, what we have in Massachusetts. It's it's Methadone Mile. Mm-hmm. So what's happening is kids are coming in the front door of BMC with heroin addiction problems. They're being referred out the door by BMC to Topeka Street uh, yeah. at the Methadone Clinic. And listen, Methadone Clinic is fine, right? If you need to get on Methadone to come off heroin, that's fine. But where you're your max limit at the methadone clinic is 200 milligrams a day, which is probably higher than the habit that you had originally. Yeah. You're building to 200 a day. You're not starting off at 200 yeah. a day. Then you can have a doctor sign off for an additional 60 milligrams. So now you're at 260 milligrams. You go, then you go back to BMC because now you're like, okay, I want a doctor out of the hospital. And the doctor's prescribing you uh, Xanax for, for uh, um uh, Xanax for anxiety And he's given you He's given you Neurontin for um, Neuropathy of pain Alright but we can't fi- We can't We can't figure out What neuropathy is for My grandmother's in a wheelchair She takes uh, Neurontin for, for neuropathy in her legs She that's can't only, walk
1: Yeah that's the only thing That you but should then be But then
0: they say Okay Neurontin is a mood stabilizer Well no Pardon my language But no So is in heroin So is in alcohol It stabilizes your mood Until yeah. it becomes unstable We can't stop once it starts. I can't just say, hey, socially, I'm going to use this heroin or in a limit, a limited way, I'm going to use just a little. And so, yeah, the, the the heroin is a big problem. But what where I, I get confused is that you have this area in Mass Ave that I'm talking about, and you can't figure out where it starts. Does it start at the methadone clinic? Does it start on the streets? Does it start on the doctors? And I like to point that it starts with the doctors because Bill and I were at an event where the lady was saying she was a doctor, and she was saying that if we didn't prescribe in the early to late 90s, our hospitals couldn't get JCO accreditation to get funding to keep the hospitals open. Who do you think was pushing that initiative? Yeah. Pharmaceutical companies. Yeah, and you and and know, and the, the, you know the
1: vital it. sign that came in? that wasn't existing for the entire time until, like, the late, either early 90s or late 80s was pain. Pain wasn't part of your vital sign when you first. That's right. When you go back to, like, before, like, around the time I was born or we were born, like, they didn't have that as a vital sign. So now you look at it now, every, every little hospital or medical facility has that pain scale, and you get a higher reimbursement rate depending on how you treat pain at hospitals, insurance companies, pharmaceutical companies, fueling. This, they, when you walk in there, I broke my hand, right? I broke bones in my hand in early recovery because I was a, a classy guy, and all that good stuff. And uh, so I go to the emergency room. All I want, the bone was poking out, so I wanted them to snap it back in place and put an air cast. The doctor tried to force feed me a script to Percocet for about two hours, two hours, and the entire time I tell him I'm a heroin addict, like I, you, you know, I'm allergic to narcotics. I break out in handcuffs and withdrawals. Like you cannot give me that, right? So he's like, I'm just going to give you the script and uh, you can leave with that. And it took me saying, like, I'm going to break into your house, steal your TV and your wife's jewelry if you give me that script. For him finally to pull it back and be like, all right, maybe I can't. But they try to force feed it so bad that, like, you wonder, you know, when, when you look at somebody making a statement like that about that it's not the doctor's fault. And when you go back to, to, to when you were younger, when you went to the doctors, they asked you what your problems were. Do they try to talk to you? Or did they just throw a pill at you? Well,
2: I think when... Um, it, it, you, I, yeah, what I remember uh, was that it wasn't so rushed. Yeah. So they knew you.
1: Yeah, they knew you. you.
2: know, um, yeah. And so now it's like, it's like, what do you get? Like 10 minutes with That's the doctor it. if you're lucky. That's it. But you know what? Let me, let's just point out real quick that... So this is all true. Um, you know, with the doctors and everything. It's all true. But at the end of the day, parents need to be educated parents mm. need to say no i don't want that yeah. i don't need that and i think that's huge and yeah. i think parents need to become the head of their households yeah. well uh, yeah but I, I think at the same time you know i think when, like you just pointed out when you're asking about the doctor we we trusted our doctors back in the day oh, but at the same time hate me but at the same time i don't think like we didn't have all those uh things you when know that, hey if we if we had kids running around with add they got a crack upside the head
1: exactly but we 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 grew up not learning how to cope. That, you, yeah. you can treat ADD is, with certain
0: diets, low yeah. sugar diets. I've but seen it in success. We're a generation
1: yeah. that doesn't know how to cope with our problems. We throw a pill or we we have these quick fix methods instead of trying to, you know, figure out different ways to cope. So now you got a bunch of young kids that have a, a, a pill for, you know, ADD yeah. or whatever. Or you know certain other aspects that might not be as extreme as like a doctor that's sitting there, but now our, our whole society is based off of off of pharmaceuticals. If you, uh, I see the picture of a doctor that that kept pens of all his drug reps and it's like it like takes up the whole wall. Yeah, you know what I mean. So you got these, and, and there's certain places that will say no, um, no, like. Um, refusal of soliciting uh, marketing material for whatever the medication is because you'll see doctors that will get on board with a certain medication then they're getting you know this stories about doctors getting ten thousand dollar checks from pharmaceutical companies yeah. to speak paid to speak but they never go and speak to anybody they have like these big conferences when certain pills get released that we're going to make some money. And it's a bunch of doctors talking about this new prescription pill
0: about, like, this. Yeah, there's a movie with, um, I think, Jake Gyllenhaal. It's called Love, Sex, and Other Drugs. Yeah. And uh, he's a pharmaceutical rep. Yeah. And he's originally selling Zoloft. Yeah. And that's, this is where Viagra comes out. Yeah, yeah. And they're making... The doctor... And Jake Gyllenhaal are in cahoots because yeah. he's like, all right, I'll let you come in and sell to the clients, yeah. and they're making millions. They're
1: drug dealers. Yes. That is the structure of illegal drug dealing, only right. they have the legalities to make it happen and never right. go to jail. Absolutely. And,
0: yeah, so I would say that it does. It starts with medication. It ends up it ends up with heroin. Sometimes it ends up with alcohol. But yeah. right now we're, we're like Generation X when it comes to heroin yeah. addiction yeah. because the problem is – Oxycontin gift wrapped heroin addiction. Yeah. That's what happened. We didn't know, like I didn't so if someone was like, I, I remember one time I was living at a house and I was 17 years old, never seen heroin, never seen a heroin mm-hmm. addict. A guy comes out of the room with a needle hanging out of his arm. Mm-hmm. And I was I was mortified. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this guy's doing the devil. That was yeah, like my yeah, mindset. Yeah. Then someone introduces me to a perk, a perk five. I was drinking, it was my birthday, he say, Here, take it, fell in love with it. Uh, shortly after that I got into perk fifteens and moving up moving up in milligrams. And uh if you told me though, hey Shane, you're sniffing the equivalency of heroin, but I might not have picked it up. But I, I listen the to the same word. I used to shoot oxys and used to shoot perks, and I'll tell you, people are like, Oh, it's a totally different height. No, it's not. But listen to the word
1: heroin. Right, you ask, you ask a twelve-year-old what the word heroin sounds like. Mm. It's dirty, it's filthy. It's the homeless guy under a bridge. What's it's the perks of perks? Oxycotton. <laughs> does that sound? Does that have the same terrifying name? That no, it doesn't. Has? No. What about Percocet? Perks, it sounds like an oxycodone. Yeah, yeah, like those names, they don't symbolize heroin, but a synthetic heroin in a pill that's a doctor prescribed. Like I remember early early stages in detox. I was like. 18 years old and I look at these heroin addicts like I'm never going to be like that and they would all turn the table on me like you're doing the same thing buddy yeah like you're doing the exact same thing as me and watch like you you're going to end up like that and slowly but surely these things that I said I would never do especially looking I'm never going to be like that or do what he did I did every single one of them. I
0: I was such a hit. Like, I I was mad at family members, and I was mad at friends. And I'm like, you know, every time someone would do something different for me, I'm like, oh, he's smoking crack. I'm drinking beer. Yeah. I'm totally different. Then I'm smoking crack. I'm like... I'm smoking crack. I ain't he's doing, doing I'm not touching oxys. You know, he's <laughs> yeah. he's a loser. Then I'm doing oxys. Everyone's doing heroin, yeah. and I'm like, they're such junkies. Yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden, I'm doing heroin, yeah. and I'm looking for an answer. And most of my friends, if they weren't dead, they were in recovery, and they already had the answer for me, yeah. which was amazing. So I got a, a, another, uh, I guess, favor or question. How yeah. how comfortable do you feel doing a poem for us? Yeah. All right. Do you want to do it right now? Yeah, we got got three, three and a half. So let's wait
2: while he get while he gets ready to do his poem. We'll end on the poem, but let's make a few announcements real quick, okay? Um, So um, the uh, we have the Avon Holbrook um, um, Hope Drop-In Center. Okay, so uh, we run that uh, every month. Holbrook uh, second Monday of every month, six to eight p.m. at the Brookville Baptist. Again, Holbrook second Monday of every month, six to eight p.m in Brookville Baptist, so we'll have a cl- clinician on hand, um, there's a lot of resources, you can get some Narcan training up there, which I think is huge. Uh, on the fourth Monday of every month, uh, we have um, the Avon, it's over in Avon, Avon's um, part of the uh, drop-in center. Avon, so the,
0: Massachusetts, yeah Avon, in case Massachusetts. you're listening from outside the state. Yeah,
2: and um, Holbrook, Massachusetts too. Um, And, uh, but Avon is the fourth Monday of every month, six to eight. Same thing. We have resources, clinicians. Um, I actually think it was, uh, last month someone came in, uh, looking for help and they were able to get them a bed that night. So, um, again, you know, everybody's out there trying to do their thing. Um, our next guest speaker next week is going to be Judy McDonough. She's the executive director of the Edwina Martin House, nice. um, out of Brockton. It's one of the first recovery homes designed specifically for women. Uh, we're really looking. Judy's an amazing woman. Um, so she's going to she's going to talk about some upcoming events that she has and what they do um, and what they're looking to do. Um, anything, Shane, from you?
0: Uh, no. If you need to call into the show, it's one eight eight eight. 415 That's Rock Bottom to Recovery. You can check it out on uh, Facebook, Rock Bottom to Recovery Podcast, number two podcast. Yeah,
2: number two. And uh, we just want to thank everybody for sitting in live and watching us. And, again, spread the word. Uh, we're here to educate, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to educate as much as we can so people can make those right decisions. We're going to talk to people like Matt, who are phenomenal, um, a, a success today, um, tomorrow. Uh, another success we take it day by day mm-hmm. so uh so Matt uh, Matt yeah. end uh, it
1: i <clears throat> uh, more than my mistakes more than the shame that was once worn on my parents face more than my court dates detox intakes the living disgrace when jail's institutions of death was my only fate I lost I lost my faith when being a son turns into a junkie when I sit in my pity part swearing no one in my family loves me playing the victim but they're just sick and tired of all the times I manipulated them for money I lied to them for dope money. This time I swear it's going to be different. This time I'm going to change. I don't want to go to prison. This time I'm going to do everything that I didn't. This time I'm going to listen, my listen. I just need this $40 to shake the sickness. Then I'll go to detox and take care of her business. I swear to God with the Lord as my witness. Just let me get a couple of dollars and I'll be clean the next time I visit. I promise. To be honest, I can tell you what the feeling of lost is. So your soul and the devil will reveal what the cost is. It's searching for happiness in the bottom of a bottle in the hand of an alcoholic. It's a pile of powder lined up with a straw to sniff. It's dumped out in a cooker trying to suck up all of it. It's losing your love over the rush. It's destroying every single person you touch. It's a drug lust that even when you get high, it'll never be good enough. No matter what. The lows are a hole, but you can't stop digging. It was never like this in the beginning. when you when getting high felt like you were winning. now you're not even invited to Christmas or Thanksgiving created these circumstances for yourself and play the victim. I've been at the bottom, beaten up and broken down, crying out for help, but no one was around. Hey, Ma, aren't you, su- aren't you proud of your son now? Somehow I managed to burn every bridge I love down. Set so fire to myself destructive ways just so I could burn bright. There I lay in the ashes of a past life, surrounded by worn down needles and shattered glass pipes. You think I ever want to go back there? You'll never have to ask twice. Tattoos of angels mixed with the ashes of my fallen friends. The skies are like stories written across my skin. Reminded me of where the hell I've been from the darkest days that I never want to go back to again. Shackled by addiction, trying to break free. I stood toe to toe with everything trying to break me. I started suffocating from the chaos and couldn't breathe. Another overdose statistic wasn't what I was trying to be. I picked up a pistol and knocked the safety. Then I put a bullet through the throat of my disease. Just for the chance of recovery. Thank you, thank you. That
0: was awesome. Fact. So I just want to thank everyone for listening, Matt. Thank you for coming on the show, Bill. Thank you once again. Uh, next week we de- we have Judy McDonough. She's the executive director of Edwina Martin, um, and and that's it. I don't know if you have anything to say, Bill, but Matt, thank you so much yeah, once thank again. Thank you guys for having me. Thank oh, you, Matt. It was, it was a pleasure.